Right, good. Okay, thank you. So, <clears throat> morning's topic is on Tzvilas Kalim. That when one purchases kitchenware from a store or from a non-Jew, utensils that are used together with food, then the halacha is that we need to immerse these vessels in a mikveh before we start using them in and around the kitchen and to serve with food. This section of Tzvilas Kalim is to be found in Yoredea in Simon Kuvchov. And there are many, many halochas. It's a, a multifaceted section of halocha, understandably, as you are accustomed to by now, that every Simon and Shulchan Aruch is full of different nuances. So there is no way that I will be able to go through everything or explain every single facet of, uh, of these halochas. However, what I'd like to take a look at is the background. Starting from the psukim, from the Torah itself, and then developing what we will see are two different approaches within the Rishonim, how they understand the purpose of this exercise of immersing vessels in a mikveh before use, and what some of the ramifications are halochically, um, what difference it would make even practically, and we will bring some contemporary examples. So a basic understanding of Tvilas Kalim is that Utensils that are used, whether it's to cook food and whether it's cutlery that is used in the cooking process, understandably cookware, or whether it's uh, vessels that are used to eat the food with after it's cooked, whether it's cutlery or crockery, and specifically metalware, any of these utensils that are made from some sort of metal or the uh, metallic base that these metal items need to be immersed in a mikveh. That is sort of the basic outline. We derive this concept from the Parsha of Clay Midian. The last war that Moshe Rabbeinu oversaw was the war to take revenge against Midian. And in that war, the soldiers returned with an array of different utensils that they had bespoiled the Midianites. And out of those spoils were an array of different kitchenware. And the soldiers asked Moshe Rabbeinu what to do with the pots, the, the cookware, the servingware, and Moshe Rabbeinu presented two areas of halacha to the soldiers 
The first one was the halachas of Hagola, of kashering. And the purpose of kashering is to remove the bleus, the absorbed flavors of the Midianites' forbidden foods, and to destroy those flavors from within those utensils before the utensils could be given over to the Jewish people to use in their own kitchens. That was the first parsha of kashering. The second parsha, the second set of rules which Moshe Rabbeinu provided then were the halachas of toiveling. That these vessels that were confiscated from the Midianites need to be immersed in a mikveh before those vessels were then handed to the Jewish people to use in their own homes. Now, although the Torah specifies the laws of kashering, this is at the uh, at the end of of uh, <clears throat> Parshas Matos, and the Torah spells out that all utensils that were used with fire need to pass through fire in order for them to have their bleus, their absorbed flavors of isur, of forbidden foodstuffs removed. The Torah doesn't spell out openly the laws of toiveling, that these vessels also have to be placed in a mikveh. The Torah uses a couple of cryptic words in this parsha, and the Torah says, Ach yischata. However, in addition to the laws of kashering, these vessels need to be uh, cleansed in the main nidah, in the waters that a nidah woman would also purify herself in. And in these words, the Torah hints to the process of, te- of tevila, of purifying the vessels in addition to kashering them. Now, we have one page in the Gomorrah in Avodah Zorah on Daf Ayin Hei Amud And in this one page, we will find all of the halochas of toiveling and how the Gomorrah derives from these psukim, from this section of the Torah, all the different criteria and all the different nuances. However, we're going to bypass the Gomorrah at the moment, and we're going to launch into the Rishonim. Because what interests us is what is the purpose of immersing vessels in a mikveh? It's not to kasha them. It's not to remove the forbidden tastes from within these vessels. That's already been addressed with the laws of Hagola. What is the purpose of now passing these vessels as specifically metal and the, the Gomorrah added glass as well into a mikveh to purify them, purify from what and under what circumstances is it necessary to purify these vessels? We begin with the Rambam. The Rambam in Hilkos Machalos Asurois, Perek Zayin, sorry, Perek Yud Zayin, chapter 17, Halocha Hey, Halocha number five, the Rambam states as follows. 
So I won't, I won't read it, but I will, I will paraphrase. The purpose of immersing vessels in a mikveh, which one purchases from a non-Jew and allows us then to use these vessels to eat and drink from, is only of rabbinic in nature. It is only necessary to total midrabbana. And the hint, the illusion that the rabbis found within the psukim in this section of the clay Midian was from the word v'taher, that the vessels need to be purified. Now we've learned through tradition that this entire section of the Torah is in fact dealing with the laws of Hagola, of kashering and removing the, the prohibited flavors from within the vessels. And that must be because the Torah uses the word taviru ba'esh v'taher, that the mention of fire and the usage of fire together with these vessels indicates that the fire is removing the flavors from within these vessels. And since the Torah doesn't mention anything about water in this section where it is water that does the purification, the non-physical purification, not the fire, the Rambam says that the laws of tvila of immersing, are only rabbinic and that the Chachamim saw only an allusion to, this, uh, to these laws in the word v'taher, to purify. So that is the opinion of the Rambam, that for some reason, the Chachamim of the Gomorrah instituted that vessels have to be immersed and they found some scriptural inference, but not that the Torah itself ever required that the vessels need to be immersed. That is the opinion of the Rambam. However, we find that most of the Rishonim disagree. The Rashba and many of the Rishonim are there on in their commentaries on the Gomorrah in Avodah and of Ein Hayamud Base 75b. But we find that the Rashba in his book, the Torah Sabais, disagrees with the Rambam quite openly and says that it is the Torah itself that instructed then the soldiers who had plundered the Midianite spoils to immerse those vessels in a mikveh and that the instruction was perpetuated thereafter from generation to generation, that when acquiring vessels from non-Jews, that the vessels need to be immersed in a mikveh. And not only that, but the Rashba says, if we look at the Gomorrah, where the Gomorrah itself in Avodah Zorah goes to lengths to try and derive from the various psukim, from places within this section of the Torah and derive the various laws of Tvila, of, of immersing the vessels, it shows that the Gomorrah itself is basing all the halachas back on the original source, which is the Torah. So the Rashba, amongst many other Rishonim, the Ramban, 
the Ravid, all disagree with the Rambam, and they maintain that the laws of Toiveling are in fact Midaraisa and go back to the original time in history when Moshe Rabbeinu first commanded the soldiers to immerse the vessels of Midian. Now, at this point, before we develop it further, whenever we find a machloikus over whether something is Doraiso or Dorabonum, whenever there is a halochic dispute, whether the need to perform or a prohibition is straight from the Torah, or if it was a rabbinic enactment, would be in a case of sophic, in a case of doubt, where if something is Doraisa, if something is required by the Torah, then Sveka Doraisa Lechumra, in cases of doubt, we would have to assume the more stringent and we would have to go stringently. Whereas if something is only rabbinic in nature and we have a case of doubt, then Sveka Dorabonon Lekula, in case of rabbinic doubt, we can uh, rule leniently. So this would also be the obvious nafkamina, the difference between most of the Rishonim and the Rambam, where according to most Rishonim, whenever we have a, a doubt in the laws of Tvilas Kalim, when a halocha has not been spelled out clearly by the Gomorrah, or whenever a matter can be debated without being able to resolve, or in a case where let's say someone is in doubt whether a vessel was toveled or not, where you take a whole array of kitchenware to the mikveh and you come back and a whole, all of them are wet except for one, and you're starting to doubt yourself whether it's dry because it dried quickly or because you forgot to toivel it, then in cases of doubt such as this, according to the Rashba and most of the Rishonim, since the Torah requires one to immerse one's vessels before use, then one should assume that the one vessel has not been toiveled adequately and unfortunately one's got to make the trip back to the mikveh and toivel that one vessel. However, according to the Rambam, who holds that the need to, to toivel is only rabbinic, in cases of doubt, one can allow oneself the latitude and assume that one has done the, uh, the toiveling adequately. So that is an obvious nafkamina difference between the Rashba and between the Rambam. There are other nafkaminas, though, which we will spell out in the course of this discussion. And we will try and set the halacha as well and see which opinions we follow in the end, if it's the, uh, the Rashba or whether it's the Rambam or whether we can take the Rambam into consideration, that we will uh, enunciate more towards the end of this discussion. So now that we've seen the Machloikas, we need to understand what the basis of this Machloikas is, why the Rashba would hold that the need to toivel is from the Torah and that the Rambam would hold that it's only rabbinic. What we also need to understand is how the Rambam would meet the argument of most of the Rishonim 
that the Gomorrah goes to lengths to derive from the psukim, from the verses themselves, all the various details of Tevilas Kalim, it would seem odd that the Gomorrah utilized the, uh, the methodology of deriving halochas from the Torah, where the Ramam is saying that this methodology seems to be just a show because it's all Durabanon anyway. So that's the first thing we need to address. First question, how would the Rambam answer the other Rishonim? And how would he see the functioning of the Gomorrah as it is using the classic methodology of derivation, drosha, to derive things from the, uh, from the Psukim? The second question is that we find something very strange in the commentary of the uh, the Kesef Mishnah, who was the Beis Yosef, in his commentary to the Rambam, he quotes the Rashba from a tshuva. Not the same Rashba from the Torah Sabais, but the Kesef Mishnah cites the Rashba in a different source from one of the tshuvas of the Rashba. And the Rashba writes, in the name of the Rambam, that the need to toivel is midaraisa, comes from the Torah. Now, although the Rashba writes and he interprets the Rambam to agree with him and holds that the purpose of toiveling is from the Torah itself, that is most incongruous with what the Rambam himself writes quite clearly here in Halokha Hay, where the Rambam writes that it is only Ela Medivre Sofrim, that the need to toivel is at most Medivre Sofrim, which is the Rambam's way of describing a, uh, a Rabbonon, an enactment from the Chachomim after the times of the Torah, whether it's from the Nevi'im, from the, 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 the earlier prophets, the later prophets, the Anshe Knesses HaGadoyla, uh, the Tanoim, the Amoraim, up to the period of the, uh, the mid four five hundreds, any one of those periods where the Chachomim of the time enacted certain prohibitions or certain gzairas, the Rambam uses the word Medivrei Sofrim, to describe any of that, any of that period, and some of the uh, some of the commentaries on the Rambam say that the, the phrase "midivrei sofrim" could in fact be referring to the earlier, either the earlier or the latter prophets preceding the times of the Anshe Knesses Agadola or the Anshe Knesses Agadola at the beginning of the Second Temple period. But be that as it may, that's that's really relevant. Be that as it may, the Rambam uses this phrase midivrei sofrim to indicate that something is rabbinic. So the second question is, where does the Rashba in his tshuva see in any form whatsoever that the Rambam held tvilas kalim came from the Torah itself?
And so this is our task. And this is what we will set out to answer as we explain this concept of Tvilas Kalim. Let us begin by outlining the two different approaches within the Rishonim as to what the purpose of Toivil and Kalim is. But before we get to that, we will begin with a passage from the Talmud Yerushalmi. Although the Talmud Bavli in Avodah Zorah doesn't deal with this and doesn't give the reasons, there is one line that we find in the Gomorrah in Avodah Zorah towards the end in the Talmud Yerushalmi that does lend some, uh, shed some light on why we need to immerse vessels that we have bought from, from non-Jews. And the wording of the Yerushalmi is that because the vessels are now passing from the impurities of the Gentile origin to Kedusha Sisro, to the elevated state that a Jew will use the vessels for, they need to be immersed in a mikveh. So the vessels are being oile, mitumas, okum, le kedusha, sisro. They're passing hands, passing ownership, and the vessels are now going to be used for something more sublime than they were before. And for that reason, the vessels need to be immersed in a mikveh. That is a quote from the Yerushalmi. What the Yerushalmi means is subject to two different approaches within the Rishonim and the Achroinim. Let's begin with the Rashba and the Ramban and most of the Rishonim. And this is the first approach. And this approach has spelled out more clearly by the Isuvaheta. The second Rabbeinu Yoina, in his book Isuvaheta, which I'm sure you've come across in Bosa uh, Bacholov and in Taruvas. Rabbeinu Yoina writes that the purpose of immersing vessels is similar to a type of conversion. And the Ritva, in his commentary to Avodah Zorah, says something along the same lines. That in the same way as when a Gentile wants to become Jewish, he immerses himself in a mikveh. And that mikveh has the ability to designate and to remove certain impediments and to change the status of the non-Jew. It's as if he is being reborn in a way. And when he emerges from the mikveh, his status has changed and he has now been elevated to a point that he is different in very much many aspects from the way he was before. And in the same way as the mikveh has the transformative power to change the status of a Gentile to a Jew, so too when it comes to the vessels, the kitchenware, 
and the cookware that was purchased from a non-Jew, in order to designate these vessels for higher usage, Yid is going to be using them for kosher food, for making brochas, for making simchas, for Shabbos and Yontif, utilizing his food for a higher service to serve the Abishta. So the vessels that will be used in the preparation of this food and in the consuming of this food also need to be designated and need to be elevated in a way by placing them within the mikveh. So the, the first approach of the Rishonim is that in order to transform the vessels from being in a, uh, let's say, being tainted with maybe the usage of idolatry and of the mundane, the vessels have to be designated within a mikveh in a way converted to be able to now be used freely with holy foods for holier, holier intentions. So that's the approach of the Rashba and of most of the Rishonim, particularly outlined by the Issa Veheter, Rabbeinu Yoina. Let's move to a second approach, which is that of the Rambam. The Rambam sees the laws of Tfilas Kalim, of having to immerse vessels in a mikveh, that the purpose of immersing in a mikveh is to purify them, to purify the vessels from any potential tumor, any potential impurities that the non-Jews would have allowed their vessels to contract in the time of their usage. So just to give a bit of, a, of an outline, and a, a bit of an outline here, in the times of the Beis HaMikdash, when the temple stood and people would bring their various vessels to Yerushalayim from home in order to eat their korbonos, to eat sacrificial foods with kochim. And during the times of the temple, there were various xeris, uh, various enactments that this, the Chachomim instituted to safeguard the contamination of Kochim, that sacrificial foods and trumas, the Kohen's uh, truma foods that were also meant to be eaten in a state of holiness and were not allowed to come into contact with anything impure, not the dead, not carrion, not uh, dead uh, insects, rodents, or the impure types of people like the Zav or the Matsoira, the leper, and the various other individuals whose bodily contaminations would render sacrificial foods tame and invalid, or someone who had come into contact with vessels that were tame and then touched their own sacrificial foods, there were various ordinances that the Chachamim of the time enacted to prevent 
people from misusing their kitchenware in such a way or their, their cookware or their household items in such a way that those items would land up contaminating the foods. One of those enactments, which we still keep today, is the need to vas, natilas yadayim. We wash our hands before eating bread because of srach truma, because of a remnant of the original need for the kohanim to demarcate their hands, which is only a rabbinic enactment because if someone becomes impure, their whole body becomes impure at once, not just their hands. But it was a rabbinic enactment to purify the hands as a reminder that the Kohanim should treat their trumas with extra care and be careful what their hands were coming into contact with before they touched truma foods, which demanded an extra degree of sanctity. So uh, we do find a whole array of different gzairas, different uh, ordinances that the Chachomim enacted to safeguard against the contamination of kochim, of sacrificial foods and of trumas of an elevated uh, status that the Kohen's truma was, uh, was, was required to have. And one of those laws that we find still today is the laws of Tvilas Kalim. Because non-Jews would eat their foods and their foods would consist of various types of dead carrion and also dead insects, rodents, things that, uh, foods that the, that the non-Jews weren't, weren't particular about. And not only that, but because the non-Jews would leave their vessels, their houseware out in the open or to come into contact with who knows what, the Chachamim were concerned that these vessels in the hands of a Jew may come into contact eventually with sacrificial foods or with trumas and needed to be purified, purified of the potential tumor, the actual contamination of these various types of sources of tumor that we find in the Torah. And therefore, the purpose of toiveling is to remove any potential tumor, any potential impurities that these vessels could have had while in the hands of the non-Jew. Now, according to the Rambam, if this is indeed the purpose of toiveling kalim, if this is why we immerse our vessels, then at a certain point in history, there was an actual need to purify these vessels because at a certain point when there was a mishkan, when there was a tabernacle, where there was a temple, and when there was the sacrificial order, when kochim, sacrificial foods, would be consumed, then there was a real need for us to immerse our vessels and make sure that they're purified before those vessels came into contact with sacrificial foods or any foods for that matter. But understandably, after the destructions of the temples, when we no longer have sacrificial foods and we no longer have the need, and, uh, and with the exception of certain occasions, we don't 
keep the laws of Tumma and Tahara anymore. We don't keep the order of ritual against impurity anymore. The need to toivel our vessels, the need to still immerse them in a mikveh, would be at most only rabbinic as a measure, please God, for when the Beis HaMikdash is rebuilt, but also as a remnant of the original laws of purification against Tumah and Tahara, against uh, ritual impurity, just like the laws of washing hands before eating bread. It is a remnant of a takona that was made in a bygone era, but is still kept today. Right, so just to summarize, the two different approaches amongst the Rishonim as to why we immerse vessels in a mikveh today before use, according to the Rashba and most of the Rishonim, the first approach is that immersing in a mikveh is a type of designation or a type of elevation where we can now use the vessels for holy purposes. Whereas according to the Rambam, the second approach is that the need to immerse vessels in a mikveh today is a remnant of the laws of Tum and Tahara of purification, which at a certain point in history was a real need and now is a remnant, a takona that still stands irrespective of the fact that we no longer have the laws of Tum and Tahara amongst us. And in this way, we can see how these two Rishonim, these two schools of Rishonim, would interpret the Yerushalmi, the Talmud Yerushalmi. According to the Rashba, the Talmud Yerushalmi is saying that we immerse our vessels in a mikveh in order to elevate them, to designate them now for another type of usage. Whereas the Rambam would interpret the Yerushalmi as saying that literally, one needs to immerse one's vessels in a mikveh to purify them, lest there be potential tumah, actual ritual impurity, that these vessels may have become contaminated with while in the hands of the goyim who utilized their vessels for all types of usage and are now needed to be used by Jews and cautioned against, who are cautioned against contaminating sacrificial foods. So the Rambam would see going from Tumas Nochrim the Kedushas Yisrael is literally part of the general laws of Tuman Tahara of purifying that which became ritually impure. Now, with this in mind, we can answer the questions on the Rashba on the on the on the Rambam as well, which was that. How would the Rambam understand the Gomorrah interpreting from the Posuk? And also, the second question was, how could the Rashba interpret in any form whatsoever that the Rambam held that the laws of Tvila derive from the Torah itself? And we will be able to answer both of those questions with one, one answer, understanding and going back to the the, uh, the reasoning of the Rambam, that the purpose of toiveling, of immersing vessels in a mikveh, is to purify them from some ritual contamination. The truth of the matter is 
that originally when Moshe Rabbeinu instructed the soldiers to immerse the vessels of Midian and to kasha them and to remove the forbidden foods from within those vessels, understandably, because there was a need to purify those vessels in addition to kashering them, the origin of immersion in a mikveh does in fact go back to the Torah. When we look at many of the parshas in the Torah, part of Sefer Vayikra is dedicated to the halachas of Tum and Tahara and how to purify vessels, household items, and vessels specifically used with food. The concept of toiveling of immersing in a mikveh in order to rid the vessels of their ritual contamination does hail back to the Torah itself. So purifying vessels, whether it was off the Midianites or whether one buys it from a, uh, a non-Jewish source, has its origins in the Torah in that the vessels need to be purified. And that's what the Rashba meant, and that was what the Gomorrah in Avodah was looking for in deriving the halachas from various psukim. Indeed, the original measure to immerse vessels was stated by the Torah itself and was stated by Moshe Rabbeinu to the soldiers who took back the vessels of Midian. After a period, however, where there is no longer a temple and there is no longer a need, a real need to purify one's vessels anymore, that's when the Rambam said from that point onwards in history, the need to toivel was at most rabbinic, which was a remnant of the original obligation to toivel, which the Torah itself indeed put forth in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu, but that original need to toivel was no longer a real necessity. It was now a rabbinic necessity as a remnant of that original, uh, original mitzvah or original practice and also part of the array of the types of rabbinical purifications that are still left with us today. So now that we have delved into the somewhat, and we can see two schools amongst the Rishonim as to what the purpose is for immersing vessels, according to the Rashba, and most Rishonim, we immerse our vessels before usage as a type of designation. And that purpose stands from the time that Moshe Rabbeinu instructed the soldiers of Midian to up until today, it's the same purpose and therefore our toiveling is midoraisa and goes back to the original purpose for which the Torah intended to designate. According to the Rambam, however, the purpose of toiveling is a remnant of the laws of Tum and Tahara, and therefore at most is only rabbinic. Now, with this in mind, let's take a look at some of the other nafkaminas the other types of machloikas, which we find in the halochas of, of Tzvila's Kalim, which are influenced by these two schools of thought. 
One obvious halacha we find is the law regarding the maimid. As we said originally, it is only metal utensils and glass, midrabonon, that need to be toiveled. However, sometimes you have a vessel which is a composite of both metal and other materials like wood or ceramic. The metal component may need to be toiveled, but the, the ceramic and the wood component does not need to be toiveled. So how do we go about assessing whether a vessel that is a composite of both metal and other materials is a metal vessel and requires tefillah or not. So this itself is a discussion and one would have to take a look in Simon Kuvchov, again, Yoredea, Simon Kuvchov, Seifim Vov and Zayin, that's where the sugya presents itself. However, inter alia, we find a machloikis amongst the Rishonim whether the fact that metal, the metal component of the kli holds the kli together, would that make a difference? Like, for example, if you had a woman, a, a, a wooden wine barrel that was held on the outside by metal rings, that wooden barrel is held together by iron. Would the metal component make a difference? According to most Rishonim, not. If the metal holds the cleat together, it's irrelevant. What defines a cleat, a vessel, insofar as Tvilas Kalim, is the functional part of the cleat that serves the food, either for storage or for cooking or for serving. However, we find the Maharami Rottenberg, who maintains that even the maimid, even the metal aspect of the vessel that holds the vessel together would, in fact, make the vessel a metal one. And that is because when it comes to the laws of Tuma and Tahara, when it comes to the laws of ritual impurity, a vessel that has any metal component that keeps the vessel together is considered part metal, part other material. So here we can see that the basis of this machloikas between the Marami Rottenberg and between the other Rishonim is based on this machloikas between the Rambam and the other Rishonim. The Maharami Rottenberg holds like the approach of the Rambam that the laws of Tumah and Tahara are in fact at the center of why we toivel our vessels that we buy from a boy. And therefore, if a vessel is held together by metal rings or nails, then that vessel is capable of contracting ritual impurity at the hands of the goy and would therefore need to be immersed in a mikveh when one takes over the vessel from the goy. However, all the other Rishonim that argue and maintain that a wooden vessel held together by metal rings or any metal component is still considered a, metal, a, a wooden vessel or a ceramic vessel and not a metal one at all, it's because these Rishonim do not equate the laws of ritual impurity of Tum and Tahara to the laws of immersing vessels. We immerse our vessels that we buy from Goyim as a means of designation. And therefore, we look to 
the specific and unique laws of, of Tvilis Kalim and do not compare this section of Halacha with the general laws of Tum and Tahara at all. And since Tvilis Kalim has its own set of rules and its own unique set of criteria, we would look at a vessel that is kept together by metal as really based on the main functional part of the vessel, the wooden barrel or the ceramic interior as determining what that vessel is. So it would not be part metal, part wood. It would be a wooden vessel insofar as Toivalin Kalim. So there we find one nafkamina. Another nafkamina, another difference would be in the type of body of water that one can use for toiveling kalim. Without getting into too much detail, we find that the smuck, the Sefer Mitzvah's cotton, maintains that it is only a mikveh of 40 saw of water that you can toivel your vessels in, whether that mikveh is produced through rainwater, through technical means, or whether it is a natural body of water, like a river or the sea, as long as that body of water contains 40 saw, which is the minimum requirement of a mikveh, then the volume of water is enough to use as a mikveh to toivel vessels in. However, a mayan, a spring, a natural body of water that does not contain the dimensions of 40 saw of water, but is rather a thin or small uh, stretch of water, to be able to toivel small vessels or cutlery under a thin sliver of natural water, that the Sefer Mitzvah's holds is not acceptable. It is only a mikveh, a collection of a certain depth and dimensions of water that would be acceptable to toivel one's vessels in. However, there are other Rishonim that argue and maintain that whatever is good enough to purify all vessels generally is good enough to immerse in a mikveh for one's vessels bought from a goy. So here as well, we can clearly see that those Rishonim who holds that any body of water that is fit for regular Tumah and Tahara, for the general purification of vessels against ritual contamination, that this body of water, no matter how light or no matter how, uh, how, how little the water volume is, is because these Rishonim are deriving the laws of toiveling from the laws, the general laws of Tumah and Tahara, and they see toiveling when one purchases utensils or fogoi as being just another aspect of the laws of Tumah and Tahara. However, the Sefer Mitzvahs maintains that toiveling, when one purchases a kli, is like the first approach. It's to designate the kli in a specific way for Jewish use, and that specific way is only in a body of 40 saw water that has 
the dimensions and the depth and the volume of a certain amount of water and is not, that body of water is not subject to any of the other criteria of toiveling that we find in the general sphere of Tumma and Tahara. So here we find, again, another machloikas in the Rishonim that is based on this original, the two original approaches of the Rishonim as to why we tovel, whether it's for designation or whether it's to remove potential tumor. Let's take a look at the last nafkamina. There, there, there are quite a few as we go through Simon Kuvchov, but let's take a look at something more contemporary. Let's take a look at disposables. So, for example, an aluminum or aluminium, however you pronounce it, an aluminum or aluminium foil roaster, something that is used only once or twice, it is a metal, but it is only used once and then it is discarded after usage, such a disposable utensil, would it require toveling in a mikveh before using? Now, according to the Rashba, according to the first school of Rishonim, who say that one needs to designate a vessel before using it, it could very well be argued that it makes no difference how many times one uses a vessel whether one's intention is to use it only once and discard it or to use it several times, we could make the argument that maybe something like a foil roaster would need to be toiled before usage, just like a pot, a metal pot or metal cutlery. However, according to the Rambam and all of those Rishonim who hold that the laws of Tvilas Kalim and the purpose of toiveling is based around the laws of ritual impurity. We find from the Rambam himself and from the Mishnayas in Seder Tahira that vessels which are only meant to be used temporarily do not contract tumor. Just a side note, I've mentioned all the Rishonim, but it's worth mentioning some Achronim as well. There is a Sefer Gidulei Tahara from one of the Achronim, which is quoted by the Minchas Yitzchak, Rav Yitzchak Weiss, in his, uh, his work, Minchas Yitzchak. And in this Sefer Gidulei Tahara, he is quite certain that the Halacha should be like the Rambam, and that, and that one should be able to compare and derive various uh, new halochas from the original halochas of Tumma and Tahara. And therefore, he is of the opinion that disposable utensils, since they do not contract ritual impurity, anything that's meant to be used once doesn't become tamay as a kli, it, in the context of Tumma and Tahara, such a, ut a utensil is not considered a kli per se, so he maintains that there is no need to toivel anything that is disposable. Even if one intends on using it several times, because ultimately 
the utensil is going to be discarded. I'm not going to pass your numbers. I'm not going to come to the final halacha. But we can see in terms of modern halacha as well, that an issue may have to be dealt with based on this machloikas between the Rashba and most of the Rishonim and the Rambam and some of the Achronim that the purpose of toiveling is either for designating a kli and has its own set of criteria or the purpose of toiveling is like the Rambam says to remove ritual impurity, tumah, in which case we would be able to refer to the halochas of tumah and tahara and what are considered kalim, what are considered acceptable methods of purification, even though those methods were not spelled out clearly in the uh, the actual context of tefillah's kalim. Now it looks like the Machaber, the Ramah, the Shach and the Taz all holds like the Rashba and like most of the Rishonim that the purpose of Tvila's Kalim is to designate the Kli for usage. And we, <clears throat> what leads us to this is a whole lot of other technicalities, which uh, maybe we can come back and revisit one day. But uh, at this point in the discussion, Maybe a synopsis is in order and a conclusion. The purpose of this discussion was to understand why it is that we immerse vessels, kitchenware, cutlery, and metal crockery as well that we purchase or receive from non-Jews. One school of thought, which is the Rashba, the Ramban, the Rivad, the Smak, most of the Rishonim, the Ritva, and Rabbeinu Yonah, the Issa this approach holds that the reason we toivel our vessels is to designate them, as if to convert them in a mikveh and designate them for kosher living and for our mitzvah purposes. <coughs> to this end, the halochas of toiveling kalim then would have their own unique set of criteria and rules which we would need to unearth from the sugya in the Gomorrah itself. And ultimately, <coughs> the purpose of toiveling goes back all the way to the original clay Midian, the original episode where Moshe Rabbeinu commanded the soldiers to immerse those vessels before handing them over to the Jews for Jewish usage. According to the Rambam, there is a second approach. The reason why we toivel our vessels is as a remnant of the original laws of Tum and Tahara, of ritual impurity, which would mean, <coughs> excuse me, that the, the need to toivel today is at most rabbinic since we no longer have the laws of Tum and Tahara of ritual impurity, but that would also give us a window into the laws of Tum and Tahara themselves as being possible sources for halochas that we need to learn in regards to Tzvilas Kalim, not just the sugyas in Gomorrah and Avodah but perhaps it is a broader area of halocha that one can tap into the general halochas of Tumah and Tahara in order to resolve. But it seems that the halocha has been decided like the Rashba 
and like most of the Rishonim. However, in cases of necessity or in cases where it's difficult to reconcile according to the Rashba, we do find amongst the Achronim, and I provided the Minchas Yitzchak as an example, where we may resort to the halachas of Tumma and Tahara, things which are stated in the Mishnayas or in the Rambam to be able to guide us. But each case would be judged individually before we would move on to uh, uh, digging through the halachas of Tumma and Tahara to resolve our issues for us. So that was the, the purpose of today's discussion, the reasons for Teufel and Kalim and the halachic ramifications. And uh, hopefully we've, uh, we've been able to at least uh, come away with some, some sort of food for thought on this occasion. And uh, it would, I see some of the questions coming through. The uh, other areas like the types of ownership, uh, companies uh, or manufacturers that are part Jewish, part non-Jewish, uh, those would depend on other criteria and other, other factors, not so much on the machloikas between the Rishonim and the Rambam as we have outlined today. Um, but since the question has been brought, um, maybe it would be worth having a follow-up shear in time with the halachas of Tfilas Kalim to address these, these other issues as well. So thank you for the question. Unfortunately, I won't be able to answer, at least not today, but in time, uh, hopefully we'll be able to get together and indeed address these other questions. Thank you very much. A Shavua Tov, a good Vokh, and Chodesh Tov, a good Chodesh to everyone. Chodesh uh, Shvat. Mitzvah Shem, looking forward.